You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves are in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers this evening. And uh, the Wolves, of course, are 2-1 and one since the All-Star break. So there's plenty to be optimistic about. We'll do a brief preview of that game here at the end of the show today. I did want to open with um, plenty of notes, really, from the last few days, dating back to last Friday, but throughout the weekend, some uh, ownership-related news that was out there. CNBC had an article about the Timberwolves' uh, value and, I guess, the perception of the Wolves right now league-wide and in the business world. And then also um, interesting on-court, uh, or I should say, I guess, off-the-court and uh, trade rumor uh, or trade-related rumors as we get closer to the deadline. It's a week from Thursday, so we're only nine days away from the trade deadline on the 25th. And um, there were a few rumors related to interest that other teams might have in certain Timberwolves veteran players, as well as the Wolves' continued interest in John Collins with the Hawks. So um, I, I will open with with some of those news-related items. I, I think that those are good to get to. I'll give my take on some of those rumors and, and what I think the value is of, of some of these players being involved in the rumors. And then we'll close with the bit of a, a, a bit of a Lakers preview today. So um, still, I, I think, still basking in the glow a little bit of, of a two-in-one uh, stretched since the All-Star break, which is sad on the one hand, but on, on the other hand, it is real progress. And clearly Chris Finch is doing a good job. Clearly the Timberwolves are are playing um, teams a lot tougher. They're in games. The last three games have all been close games, one possession games late in the fourth quarter. And um, it's notable. And the, the players are competing better defensively and the offense has a bit more flow to it. At least um, there's certainly confidence um, across the board, Jalen Noel, others who are playing much better over the, over the past handful of games. So, uh, I mean, in the wake of a, of an exciting win Sunday against Portland and, and going back to the win over the Pelicans last week, things are definitely looking up. Of course, this next stretch of games with one game at the Lakers on Tuesday and then back to back games in Phoenix on Thursday and Friday. Things are about to get really tough over the course of the next week. But then there's a bit of a lull in the schedule and it gets a little bit easier. And so hopefully the Wolves can make some noise here and um, you know, and show some real market improvement here moving forward. Okay. Um, before we get into the news related items, a reminder that you can subscribe to Lockdown Wolves anywhere you get podcasts. Of course, that includes iTunes as well as Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can also follow on Spotify and you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Okay. So the first Wolves related news item is going back to late last week. There was an article on CNBC about the value of the Timberwolves and the perception of the Wolves as an organization from around the league. Um, we all know that it's not great. We know that there's, um, you know, Brian Windhorst going back to what, late summer, early fall, Windhorst was talking about, I guess this was, was a little bit before the draft. Um, so, so really more fall than summer. And going back to last, it was like late July when Glenn Taylor was, was, open about the team being on the market. There was the exclusive negotiating agreement reached in September with uh, Daniel Strauss, the former minority owner of the Memphis Grizzlies. That was basically the month of September. Nothing came out of that. And then October, November-ish, Brian Windhorst of ESPN started talking about, he was on, uh, I think it was Zach Lowe's podcast, was, or no, it was his own podcast, I guess, Windhorst podcast over at ESPN, 
talking about how the Wolves have, you know, a bottom five arena, even with the updates, and they're easily one of the worst two or three uh, assets in terms of NBA team assets league wide. They don't win um, outside of just having the number one pick this year. You know, there's there's issues, and you know, the new front office hasn't produced you know, much progress over the past at the time, you know, uh, 16, 17 months or so. And all that was, was true. Although I I was a little bit skeptical at the time of, of just how down people would be on the wolves as an, it's still an NBA team. Right. And, and even if you're keeping them in Minnesota, the value, the Forbes valuation was a little over 1.2 billion. There was some word that he could get 1.4, 1.5 if he was willing to allow the team to be moved. But Glenn is willing to accept less money. Um, in order to keep the team in Minnesota. We know that. And so now there's the CNBC article by Jabari Young. And the headline of the article is Minnesota Timberwolves could sell for over $1 billion, but they're saddled with leadership and image problems. And of course, the the impetus for this article now is the Kevin Garnett situation, which is we're a little a week past Garnett announcing on Instagram that he's no longer in the running to buy the Timberwolves. And he's on to look at Vegas and Seattle and other markets to try and own a team. And then Taylor told any news reporter that would listen, or I guess any news reporter that would inquire that Garnett was not one of the 10 to 12 suitors that he's actually had, that Garnett's name was not even involved in any of the offers. And I talked a little bit about this at the time. It's so hard to parse what's going on here. Both of these guys have grudges against one another and probably aren't speaking or thinking completely clearly about this because they just really don't like each other and haven't for quite some time. So we we don't know exactly what the full truth is here, but the CNBC article was obviously prompted by that, and they quote a, a rival front office member. It says a, a team front office member for a different franchise calls the Wolves a jigsaw puzzle and says, quote, it's all mixed up. They're, quote, trying to play a way that they don't have a roster for, end quote. Well, that's obviously true, and I think that's actually the only quote that this guy has in here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we know that the Wolves roster hasn't, hasn't it, you know, played to what Rosas thought it could. And that's clearly an issue, but the article is actually more focused on the business side. So it talks about Adam Silver's, uh, in his words, dismayed with the Garnett Glenn Taylor fracture and the public nature of it. And he said, he's going to quote, get directly involved. This is Adam Silver. Now the commissioner of the NBA getting involved because of course the NBA doesn't want a, a newly minted hall of famer about to be inducted formally Kevin Garnett. And the, the small market organization, the franchise that he is associated with and tied to forever um, have a public feud and have this team now very publicly be up for sale for the last eight months. It doesn't look good for the NBA. And so Glenn Taylor, excuse me, Adam Silver is going to get involved, talks a little bit about the Forbes, the Forbes valuation is now actually 1.4 billion. Uh, the team's work in the community is good. There's a little bit of this, uh, scandal is not the right word, but some tension related to the Timberwolves hiring of Chris Finch without interviewing formally this go round, David Vanterpool, Pablo Prigioni, other minority candidates, um, talked about that on a previous show as well. That's all in here. And then it also talks about, and I thought this was interesting. This article actually talks about the arena as an asset because it is admired for its quote, basketball geometry. A team executive said, it's not a, this is a direct quote. It's not a pleasing building and walking into the building from a fan perspective, there's no initial wow factor. But the fact is when it's a basket, when it comes to basketball geometry, it's just a better building to watch a game in. Really interesting. I hadn't actually heard that before. Um, and I guess that matters to teams. It matters to uh, anybody who's going to you know, put fans in the seats that wants to have good sight lines. It matters to teams trying to, um, you know, 
whether it's it's good shooting backgrounds, good sight lines for the players and coaches and everybody else. Really interesting. And, and it doesn't actually talk about talk about the um the arena as a, as a detriment. Um and then there's another executive quoted talking about not, you know, not wanting to call the wolves a jigsaw puzzle because there's been a lot of different leaders and and changing of uh changing of direction. So the article actually doesn't really make the case very well in my opinion that that there's leadership and image problems. I mean, yeah, it's obvious that there's image problems. The Timberwolves have made the playoffs once in 17 years. It's impossible. I mean, the whole point of a of a basketball team is to win games. So clearly there's an Im- image problem with the Timberwolves. But uh, Glenn Taylor is going to sell the team regardless. He's probably going to get 1.2, 1.3 billion. They're probably going to stay in Minneapolis and Gerson Rosas will probably get another year after this one to prove himself. And obviously Chris Finch as well. And if the team stays healthy, they'll probably get better. I mean, all those things are the most likely scenario. Clearly the Garnett silver or the Garnett Taylor thing is not a good look. And there's no question about that. Uh, that needs to get figured out. And, um, and the fact that there's now the CNBC article out there talking about how, I guess partially the point of this is that it's one of the league's worst assets in terms of teams, worst valuations, but they're still going to sell for over a billion dollars because the league is doing so well overall. And there's so much promise looking ahead. So, um, go check that out. If you haven't again, Jabbar Young over at CNBC, an interesting article, some interesting points. I don't know that the point is proven necessarily, but some interesting tidbits in there to be sure. Uh, next up, what I want to do is talk about the, uh, uh, the, the trade market, the John Collins, the kind of the reiteration of the Timberwolves interest in John Collins from late last week. And um, then also the rumored interest in other Timberwolves players on the roster. And then we'll close with the with the preview of the Lakers game for this evening. First though, let's talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Again, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low. They're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Betting on the NBA or any sport really doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the brand new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so the other rumor from late last week was kind of a, a reiteration, I'd call it, of John Collins and the Wolves' interest in in John Collins. Um, Jackie McMullen of ESPN was on the Bill Simmons podcast over on the Ringer Podcast Network to talk about the NBA trade deadline 
And the language she used was saying that the wolves are, quote, dying to land John Collins. She said there's other teams showing interest, but that the wolves are, quote, particularly interested. Um, she went on to say she doesn't know what the wolves would offer. Obviously, uh, that is that's a pretty significant piece of this. I've speculated about this in the past. I do not think the wolves have the assets to get this done without including somebody what I mean, certainly one of Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards. And I really don't think the wolves are going to trade either one of those guys for John Collins. The only possibility in my mind is if they're able to get a third team involved and somehow the Hawks get an asset and the wolves send a pick somewhere else and the Hawks get a player from, you know, a third team. Um, I don't think Jarrett Culver and a couple of picks is enough. I don't think Culver and, uh, you know, I don't even think Culver and Jaden McDaniels in a pick would be enough if the Wolves were willing to do that. I mean, the Hawks don't, you know, they want to win now. I mean, they're not winning now and that's why they just fired their coach, but they want to win now. They made a bunch of those moves. They've got some other bigs on the roster and they don't want to pay John Collins max money. So the other side of it is that they're motivated to make a deal. um, And that works in the Wolves favor, of course. And it's also really easy to match salary because he's only making a little over 4 million this year in the final year of his rookie contract. And, if the Timberwolves acquire Collins, they obviously have to tr- they have to extend him. Otherwise, why are you giving up assets for a guy you're going to let walk? And it's not even a, a playoff season for the Timberwolves. So what would be the point of renting John Collins? So it's not just what you're giving up. It's also whether or not you think you can still build a winner around John Collins, Carl Anthony Towns, and D'Angelo Russell with all of them on max deals. The Hawks aren't interested in D'Angelo Russell, so that's not a possibility. Um, and then, of course, the money would be a mess too because Russell is on a max contract. And, you know, it wouldn't make any sense with Trey Young and and at least this year, Rajon Rondo and, and other guards and wings there in Atlanta. Jarrett Culver, to me, makes sense. The Hawks have shown interest in him in the past, or at least rumored to have been open to acquiring him prior to the deadline. I don't think that's the same thing as real interest, um, but it, it's it's possible. I just think it's unlikely because I don't think the Wolves can conjure up enough assets without a third team. And that to me is uh, the biggest issue. But the good news is that it's still out there. There's still clear interest and it's still being talked about. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Also, um, the other note that's that's notable, I guess, is Michael Scotto from Hoops Hype had a, a kind of a, a, a rumor dump of an article and mentions that the Timberwolves have several veterans that other teams are interested in acquiring. And the the names that he lists, this is, again, Michael Scotto at Hoopsype, are Ed Davis, Ricky Rubio, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Jake Lehman as, as players who could be of interest for other teams. Now, this is me talking, not Michael Scotto. Really feel like this is something that probably came out of the Timberwolves camp because I don't know how many teams are clamoring to spend $7 million a year, uh, you know, a cap hit on Juancho Hernan Gomez over the next year plus, uh, obviously a team option for the third year. I don't know that that's something that, teams are too excited about. I'm sure the Wolves could trade at Davis. Well, I shouldn't say I'm sure that they could because the Jazz had to pay a price to offload Davis to clear some cap space themselves this last offseason to send him to the Knicks. But I feel like they could move him for a second round pick. Maybe um, he's looked okay when he got a little bit more run towards the end of town's absence in January, early February. Davis looked a little better than he had early in the season. He's now more than a year removed from his broken leg. He's still got some tread on his tires. He's he's uh, uh, an expiring deal at the end of the season. So I could see maybe there being some interest. I think it's more likely he's bought out or included as part of a larger deal. Ricky Rubio still has another year and, and 17 million. He's got 17.8 million this year. So whatever's left on that plus 17 million next year. I think he's probably moved in the off season. I'd be surprised if a team traded for Ricky Rubio right now with how much he's struggled this year. He's obviously playing a lot better recently, 
but I'd be surprised if teams were clamoring to trade for Ricky Rubio right now. And Jake Lehman, sure, I think teams are interested in Jake Lehman. I, I actually think Lehman is still on kind of a bargain contract. It's like roughly a little over $3 million this year and next year. And I mean, he's a solid rotation guy. On a playoff team, he's probably the ninth, 10th, 11th guy, but he's not getting paid very much and he can guard multiple positions. He can knock down threes. He's athletic. He's a, he's a solid cutter. He does a number of things fairly well. So I don't know that there's any reason why the wolves should trade him unless again, it's part of a larger deal. But I think just trading Jake Lehman for the sake of trading Jake Lehman doesn't do you much good. It's not like you're freeing salary cap space and it's not like you're going to get much in return for him by himself. So all that to say, I don't know that Jake Lehman's going anywhere either, unless he's as a throw in as part of a larger deal. And the Hawks are like, Oh yeah, we can get this done. If you add Jake Lehman, I don't think that's likely to happen, but if it does, sure, he'll be traded. Um, I just don't know that there's going to be a ton of isolated interest in Jake Lehman. So all that to say those names, I can find a lot of reasons why there isn't probably all too much real interest in those names right now. So it could very well be the Timberwolves trying to drum up some interest by floating that to somebody like a Michael Scotto at Hoops Hype. So um, those are the latest up-to-date rumors, nine days out from the deadline. There was a Sham Sharania note as part of a larger piece where he talked about a number of rumors. Uh, the only rumor linked to the Wolves was that the Portland Trailblazers are interested in Aaron Gordon. And then he mentioned that the Wolves are the other team that's most interested, as they have been now for over 13 months. So no surprise there, but just another mention from Shams about the Timberwolves' interest. Um, so that's that's notable as well. Um, okay, next what I want to do is talk about Wolves, Lakers, and that matchup heading into Tuesday night's game. But first, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing with baseball right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, plenty of awards going on right now, TV shows and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Again, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag with the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We also have to talk about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar of all time, guaranteed. I've been talking about it now for over a year. Built Bars taste legitimately exactly like a candy bar, and that's not an exaggeration at all. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber, and amazing 100% chocolate on all bars. Right now, we're in the middle of Built Bar Madness. We are finding out which bars uh, are advancing to the enticing eight. We are already working our way through the sweetest 16 the matchup today is toffee almond versus mint brownie, which is a really difficult call for me. Two of my favorite flavors. Um, and I'm also a little torn because toffee almond beat banana nut bread in the first round. So mint brownie is the higher seed here. I have to go with toffee almond and I really like mint brownie. So this is a really close one. I'm going to vote for toffee almond and then toffee almond next round will take on the winner of peanut butter and coconut puff. So head over to builtbar.com. Make sure that you cast your ballot in, uh, in the, in this matchup in built bar madness. You can also go to built bar on Twitter, which is at bar underscore built on Twitter. That's at bar underscore built to check out the bracket and how everybody's voting. Remember you can use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. That's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. And then you can check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. 
Okay, let's preview Wolves-Lakers, but a reminder that increasing your basketball IQ starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you the most in-depth scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so Wolves-Lakers, the first time the Wolves took on the Lakers, the defending champion LA Lakers was way back in the third game of the season for the Wolves. And of course, this was the first game following Carl Anthony Towns' wrist injury, the subluxation or the dislocation of his left wrist in game two of the season. Minnesota was 2-0. and They had just defeated the Jazz. They had already beaten the Pistons. The Lakers at the time were 1-1. One and one. And they go to LA. They get beat down by 38 points. It was a game that was never close. Minnesota gave up 40 in the first quarter. They were down 40 to 23 after the first. D'Angelo Russell had a terrible, miserable game. He had uh, four points and three assists, but seven turnovers and committed four fouls in 20 minutes was somehow a minus 31 for the game. And the next worst Wolves plus minus was minus 21. And that was Nas Reed, who started in place of Carl Anthony Towns. And it just was an ugly game. Anthony Edwards led the team in scoring 15 points off the bench, but he took 21 shots to get there, was one of nine shooting outside the arc. And uh, Jarrett Culver was 0-4 shooting threes, had five turnovers in 29 minutes off the bench in this game. Really, really poor performance by the Timberwolves. They were obviously shell shocked. Um, I believe this was uh, this. It was the second night of a back to back as well. So back to back on the road, defending champs. No Towns. Uh, learning earlier that day that Towns would be out for an extended period of time, and they just got trounced. Um, the Wolves did see the Lakers once more, kind of right towards the start of this of this swoon by the Lakers. They've gone four and seven since Valentine's Day. The Wolves did play the Lakers on February 16th in a pretty forgettable game. It was actually 112-104, so not a major blowout by any stretch of the imagination. And the Lakers actually needed to pull away in the fourth quarter. It was a two-point game going to the fourth. And LA just kind of clung clung uh, to, the, to this victory. They hung on for dear life and defeated the Wolves, including that game, though. They're 4-7 and seven since Valentine's Day. They lost four in a row at one point uh, just prior to the All-Star break, and they've won their only game since the break. Uh, so... This the last time out against the Lakers, LeBron had 30, 13, and seven, and um, Dennis Schroeder had 24 points, four steals, three assists in that game. Montrez had seven, 17 points off the bench. The Timberwolves got 28 from Anthony Edwards on 21 shots, so he played a lot better in that game. And Towns only had 15 and six, only got 10 shots away in this game and attempted zero free throws. Um, and uh, Ricky Rubio had 13 and eight, Jared Vanderbilt had 13 rebounds in 29 minutes. This was uh, kind of right, I guess, three games before Ryan Saunders was ultimately fired. And so the Timberwolves were, were, this was in that stretch where they were playing fairly close games. And then they went through a few game stretch right before the break where they were getting blown out quite a bit by the Bucks, by um, the Hornets, uh, the Wizards even. But this was part of a stretch where the Wolves were playing a little bit better. And remember, no Anthony Davis in that game. Davis is still out. So the Lakers are without Anthony Davis. They're likely to be without Alex Caruso, which isn't insignificant. Uh, Marcus Alls in health and safety protocols. Uh, LeBron is banged up. He's played in every game but one. I think he rested. It was the last game before the All-Star break. But he's played in every game since then. And... Um, Cal Kuzma is listed as probable for the game, but no Davis, no Caruso, no Gasol. It seems like what we're going to get from the Lakers. No word on McLaughlin, Jordan McLaughlin or Jade McDaniels, who are both out for health and safety protocols for the Timberwolves. We don't know whether or not they tested positive for COVID-19 or just had a known exposure, uh, but you could expect to not have those two for the game on Tuesday. And um, obviously no Malik Beasley out due to the suspension and no 
D'Angelo Russell still recovering from the knee surgery. Um, so two banged up teams, the Lakers generally not playing quite as well recently, although they did beat the Pacers on Friday, which is their only game, um, was their only game so far since the break. They do play, I'm recording this actually right before they play Monday night against the Golden State Warriors. So not sure what that's going to look like. But so this this game is the second half of a back-to-back against the Timberwolves. The Lakers are in Golden State returning home, short flight from the Bay Area to, to play the Wolves. Um, in terms of a matchup, the Lakers actually haven't been a great offensive team this year. They're actually 18th in offensive rating. They're 24th in three-point shooting percentage, they're sixth in drawing fouls, or I'm sorry, in, in free throw attempts, but only 25th in free throw percentage. Um, Rebounding-wise, they're a much better rebounding team than the Timberwolves, and that'll be the biggest issue that Minnesota faces, I think, at least in terms of um, in terms of defense. Minnesota's been playing a lot better defensively. Obviously, the Lakers have LeBron James, but with no Anthony Davis, there isn't really a crystal clear, consistent second option. I know Dennis Schroeder has scored quite a bit and and scored against the Wolves pretty easily last time, but he's not a consistently efficient option. He's a 32% three-point shooter, 44% from the field. And the Wolves should be able to hold their own defensively against the Lakers as long as somebody other than LeBron doesn't doesn't beat them up. Now, LA is first in defensive rating. They're a fantastic defensive team. LeBron is clearly the, the leader there, but all the way around, it's a well-coached, strong defensive team and the Timberwolves have struggled mightily on offense up until the last couple of times out. Now, remember they played the Pelicans and Portland twice now since the all-star break, neither of whom has a fantastic defense, especially Portland. And so scoring against the Lakers is going to be a lot more difficult, especially with no D'Angelo Russell and, and really with no Malik Beasley. Additionally, if there's no Jade McDaniels, you don't have that length coming off the bench, the athleticism. Don't be surprised if, if, uh, Chris Finch goes back to that big lineup with Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three that we saw fairly frequently against the Blazers on Sunday with, uh, with Nasrid at the four and Towns at the five to really help in the rebounding categories. Um, that's where the Timberwolves are going to need to, to, uh, to be effective, to end possessions, to keep the Lakers from getting second chance opportunities and to allow themselves potentially some, some of their own second chance opportunities if they have a tough shooting night. So Towns needs to have a better game than he did on Sunday. And that goes without saying, but this should be an intriguing game. It'll be a lot of fun to see if the Wolves can hold their own against the Lakers team. That's a little depleted second night of a back-to-back and the Timberwolves have played well over the past few games. So uh, we'll be back immediately following the game on Tuesday with the post-game podcast posting late into the night. I suppose the game won't be over until about midnight central time, but we'll post a podcast following the game. That'll be Wednesday's show. And then we'll look ahead to the rest of the week on Thursday and Friday with the back-to-backs against the Phoenix Suns down in the desert. Otherwise, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe to Locked On Wolves anywhere you get podcasts. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon. It's at B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, we'll see you after the game on Tuesday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.